Do you believe in miracles? Got Fizzle in the house. Fizzle, what what's up, Fizzle? good, man? Fizzle, glad to have you here. Let's go. This the South Harmon Podcast. Glad you here today. Hit that Patreon link if you here to stay. Dynasty best ball, that's my favorite way. 40 chess trade show. Let's make a trade today or check the AMA. You know Adam at the ATM. Mike always in the building. He gonna stay with him. They gonna start every show off with their own trade. Fantasy's a big ocean, they made their own wave. Make sure you tap in there Tuesdays and Saturdays. Tuesday night, Saturday morning, ain't no better way. Hit that notification bell when the news break. Go subscribe right now, don't get the news late. Destination Devi, that's the team. Dynasty football, man, that's my favorite thing. I remember Biggie said it was all a dream. Now people watching on their phones and computer screens. Welcome to the team. everybody to another edition of the 40 chess dynasty football podcast thank you so much for joining us it has been an incredible couple of weeks and don't worry don't worry i know a few weeks ago we started a multi-part series uh it'll probably end up being two parts but startup strategy we will get to it but hey we had to have the goat on episode 75 very special we had ray on adam was gone last week so i had bob lung on thank you to bob lung for coming on the fantasy football expo i can't stress it enough it's a great time uh don't feel bad don't feel intimidated we're just normal people man uh we're normal people who like to drink and have a good time and talk football so if you're listening to this podcast you're gonna fit right in you're gonna fit right in adam you are back this week what is going on man how was your week off oh man um I took the week off. I had to get some things done, get uh, the house baby proof, get things in order for daycare. My wife going back to teach, you know, the the things in life that you have to do, but don't necessarily want to do. Mike, I'll be honest, taking the week off was hard. I'm sitting here like I listened to everything. Some of it I was trying to listen to live and come on, man. Get, get, the reason you took the week off is to get stuff done. So wasn't as easy taking it off. I, I, I find out that I just I want to be back in the saddle and I can't be happier to be back doing the 40 chess dynasty football podcast man where the roots started I'm, I'm we're back man we're back we're back all right if you remember and for those of you who didn't listen go back and listen to part one and then come in and listen to this one yep. but adam where we left off we were talking about startup strategy and just kind of talking through some things we kind of left it off at the very end we were talking about being fluid and we were still kind of in the early rounds of it where you don't have to pick a direction yet, right? You don't really have to push the chips in. You don't really have to say, hey, I'm going for it in this league. You can stay fluid because you have so many choices. Now, if you ended up taking a, you know, a Travis Kelsey or one of these running backs in the first couple of rounds, of the first three rounds, yes, you you definitely should probably start to lean into the whole, hey, <laughs> I'm going for it. I'm trying to take y'all's money this year <laughs> because – because Adam, the the biggest thing for me is once you make that decision, the draft capital you spend on that pick 
it's very hard to extract that out of your league at a later time, right? I always say that I want to draft for value and then I'll trade for need. But if you make one of those Travis Kelsey's or Christian McCaffrey type picks, people go, oh yeah, this guy's competing. It's very hard to get that kind of startup capital back out of it at a later time where you take some of these younger dynasty assets, the ones that really keep you fluid, you're able to, you're able to. There's a, there's going to be a market. There's going to be a hype thing for a Garrett Wilson. There's going to be a hype thing for a Devontae Smith at some point where you can get back out of it and, you know, stay very fluid. So that's where we're at. That's where we left off. So let's get into the nitty gritty. One of the good things that uh, we, let's do, it, we man. do, we do here. Okay. So we, we have a Tuesday night AMA and I didn't plan this at all. This is all up to the people who tap in, but they asked a question on the Tuesday AMA this week about trading up in a startup, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you do to trade up in a startup? And we kind of touched on it, but let's recap it there. I, I said that the biggest difference for me personally is outside of maybe the first round uh, with some very select assets, top eight quarterbacks, maybe top 12 quarterbacks if they fall far enough in ADP wise, like if, if they're supposed to be at the 204 and all of a sudden I'm looking at the 301 and Dak Prescott's still available. Yes, I will get very aggressive in trading up trying to get a Dak Prescott. But outside of those top 12 quarterbacks, the Justin Jeffersons, the Jamar Chases, like those guys that, that carry a ton of water, I'm not trading up in these startup drafts. Where are you at with it? Like if uh, – let's just throw out a scenario. You love Gary Wilson. You're, you're higher on Gary Wilson. Sure. I don't know where his ADP is. What second round, third round, somewhere in there? Yeah, it's it's, it's like late second. Mm -hmm. Okay, if he were to fall to like say the late third, and you're a Garrett Wilson guy, are you trading up for a Garrett Wilson, or are you going like, nah, I'll let everybody else take him? I'm I'm going to keep my draft capital. Yeah, I mean Garrett Wilson's not a target for me typically, um, and the reason I say no, Mike, is more so actually, man. Sleep at the wheel. He he's up to the two oh three. Take a week off. You miss a lot. Holy shit! Yeah. Um. So so <laughs> what a so, climber. So so let's just say uh, he's available in the early third for context, right? Yeah. Which, now we got to move, move the goalpost, right? It ain't. Can't it, talk about late third. Jeez, I don't early even. Third. I don't even think this dream scenario is happening. To keep it real, like if I if, if he's up to the two oh three, that means the trend is him pushing that ADP higher like he's probably not leaving the top 15 picks but let's say you know it's pick 25 essentially the 301 the problem with trading up for him is now I'm not just sinking in the 301 value into him like I'm sinking in what it costs to move up to the 301 which a lot of times for me unless you construct a deal right like you're gonna probably have to leverage future and when I want to leverage my future in a startup Mike what I've learned um, by to tell everyone the truth, dynasty degenerates by failing, by missing, by doing it wrong. I don't want to do it for assets that, and, and I think Garrett Wilson probably has um, some value insulation and security because he's a very high end wide receiver. But like, if he, let's say he somehow is more like wide receiver fifteen to twenty next year, makes a jump, but not a crazy jump. Like, I don't know that this value makes it stays here because you're going to have Marvin Harrison Jr. coming in. You're going to have other guys that step up and, and beat him in points per game that changes values. I, I'd i rather, honestly, Michael, I'm going to trade into the top 25 picks, top 30 picks. I, I'm probably going to want it to be to secure my quarterbacks in Superflex. 
Um, that's typically my exception outside of if like, okay, now if, if there's a scenario where Jefferson or Chase or something like that, sure. But I think there's more risk with Wilson. Um, and I was listening to Scott on a guest episode, um, I think on Player Profiler. And here, here's the thing, right? Garrett Wilson right now at this point where he's at 203, what you're betting on to trade up for that asset and pay into future either draft capital or like, you know, completely depiling your picks and consolidating for him, even if it's just startup picks, you don't have to get rid of your future. Like you're betting on him to be Jefferson and Chase, right? And the problem with that is if you look at the bets overall, those have not been good. And I, I love Garrett Wilson, but you, he has to be the outlier. Like people, I don't think quite realize how much of an outlier both Chase and Jefferson are and why they're so highly valued and they have that value insulation and points per game. They're different. They're different breeds. And betting on someone to take the leap to that, I don't, I don't want to do that in a startup this early on, if that makes sense. Well, if you really think about it, right, we'll, we'll keep using Garrett Wilson as an example with the 203. And I just uh, I sent you a link in chat, too. So this is the uh, the startup draft that's still going on. It's a best ball league, but we can use it for a lot of lineup discussion as well, best ball going back and forth. But it'll give you a real-life example of it. Garrett Wilson did go at the 203 in this draft. And when I look at it, I go, man, you're taking you Garrett go. Wilson as the the fourth wide receiver off the board, right? So Jefferson, Chase. CD Lamb, and then Garrett Wilson. So you're making the bet that Garrett Wilson is already dynasty wide receiver four. And to your point, to Scott's point, how much higher is he going to go? How much higher? Like, does he jump CD Lamb at some point? Okay, that's probably reasonable. So now you're talking about CD Lamb went at the 2-2. So he jumps up one spot. But think about the two guys in front of him. Justin Jefferson has been phenomenal since he stepped in the league outside of maybe the first two, three, four weeks of his rookie year, right? Outside of that, Justin Jefferson has been him. Himothy, Himothy Jefferson, okay? That's been the guy. Jamar Chase, a little bit, I think he got a little bit inflated his rookie year just because of those massive spikes and like the wild plays and stretching the field. But last year, 20 points per game. That's an elite wide receiver territory. He already had the value. That's everybody's wide receiver too. These two guys in these drafts, just think about this from a, a startup draft perspective. Jefferson goes at the 1-9. Chase goes at the 110. Garrett Wilson goes at the 2-3. We're only talking like even if Garrett Wilson, even if he hits 20 points per game this year and elevates himself into Chase and Jefferson territory, you've gained four spots, four spots tops. Care, like, careful, careful now, Mike. This is uh, I see Nick Bach made this pick. So, <laughs> careful now. You you've gained well. I mean, you've gained four spots. Like like that's the gamble that you're making, and you don't take into account any of the risk. Like, what if he doesn't? Which is a very reasonable outcome. What if he doesn't? What if he's fifteen points, sixteen points? All right, well, now he's in the tier of, like, Jalen Waddle. What if he's Amon Ross St. Brown points per game? There you go. And there and go. I, I, I hope people probably there's Dynasty Degeneres. Just understand that's not a slight. I like Garrett Wilson a bit. 
but there's a there's a realistic expectation, even with Rodgers in the fold, that him and Amon Ra have similar points per game. Now, I'm not even saying at that point that they'd be the same value-wise in Dynasty, but at that point, what even if there's a big difference in Amon Ra and Garrett Wilson in Dynasty after next year, and they're similar in points per game, what are you paying for? What is the, what is right. the reasoning for that price tag, right? And it's not one that I want to be attached to. I'm a hundred percent with you. And this is where, where I start to look at warp and all the data that we have on this. And I go, like, I'm making it also in a bet on a position that, that doesn't matter too much. That that's a lot deeper. There's so many options. Like you, you mentioned Amara, but he could be Jalen Wiley. He could be Smitty. He could be T Higgins. He could be uh DK Metcalf. He could be uh Christian Watson. Like the range of outcomes for Garrett Wilson is massive. And those guys all have ranges from anywhere from being the next guy off the board like Amon Ra at the 2-6, you know, a mid-second round startup value pick, to Christian Watson at the 4-7. Or you could get even down to like Jordan Addison who's going at the 6-10. Like the range is massive, but you you are 100% convinced that he's going to be the next Chaser Jefferson. And you're willing to risk it for a, what, four-spot gain? when the reality is it could be a four-round loss at some point. Like, he could tank four rounds. That is the kind of thing where I go, even if I really like a player, like, I can't, I can't push my and – you, and you talk about it. Like, oh, man, I'm a big Garrett Wilson guy. There is no way in hell I'd trade up to the 2-3 to get Garrett Wilson if I was that guy. But let's even say it was at the 2-12. All right, the risk is a little bit less. But the range of outcomes doesn't change at all. Could you move up to, you know, the 111 next year? Sure. But you still carry the negative risk of moving down to the 611, <laughs> the range of outcomes. Is. And at that point, most of these trade-ups, you're, you're leveraging either other draft capital that's pretty good in the startup draft, which are current players that could produce for your team and help you out. Or the most likely scenario, which people talk about a lot, is trading your future first round picks, which the range of outcomes on those are so massive. Like if I, if I got the one twelve, yes, who, who cares? Like if I know I'm winning the league, I don't have that crystal ball. Cause if I did, I'd win every damn league. But if I did for some but, reason, I knew it not but that big of a deal. Let's live in the but context of this lever- whole thing, right? Yeah. You, you can't, you can love everything about the way you dynasty. You think you have the perfect process, all this. We're talking about pick 25, 24. Yeah. Right. You, you can have a great process, but you can't see what everyone else is going to do. You can't predict, I have the 112 yet. One, you have no idea what attrition looks like. Two, you don't know what your team looks like. And three, you don't know what everyone else's looks like. That's, that's one of the things I don't want to, unless I'm getting secure quarterback value, trade up my future draft capital for, for top, you know, 20, 15, 24 picks, really. Like, I'm now, if it's, there's exceptions. Jefferson and Chase have proven it. If you're going to do that for those guys slipping, okay, different story. Garrett Wilson, like, I, I want to give some context for people that are not just um, – th- they want more player context, right? Because you're living in this recency bias. Everyone's so high on Garrett Wilson. Mike, l- l- let's take a look at the startup. And, and I'm just going to use not ADP, but your specific startup he sent me here. Yeah. Okay? So we're looking at right now – 
I think the clear example of this for me is that pick four, four or five. Pick four or five is DK Metcalf. Okay, so not that long ago, people were drafting DK Metcalf as the wide receiver two, three, four, five. You know, right. this I range. And this is a guy that's highly athletic, attached to Russell Wilson. I mean, did you see what he did last year? Imagine if Wilson doesn't – all these things. Right. Okay? Two years, a year and a half removed from that. There's a receiver on his team going ahead of him in this draft. <laughs> right, right. I mean, now – I'm not sitting here telling you that like it's not an indictment on Garrett Wilson. That's not saying like Garrett Wilson's destined to fail. That's not what I'm saying. My point is there is other illustrations of players that I can point to in this draft that signal it's far more likely that he dips in value than he gains. Because to gain or even to tread water, like you gotta be C D Lamb. Like you have to have the name value and you have to continually improve and get yourself into that legitimate top 10 or better discussion in points per game because if he doesn't do that as great as i think he is and i think he can do that by the way but the the bet is too rich to trade up for that i think there's a difference in trading up than just taking the player like if you tell me you know you got you have a, a high-end quarterback quarterback asset and the draft has fallen to you a little later on in the second and that's your pick and you can't do anything better there's not a quarterback that makes sense fine Take Garrett Wilson. I'm not like Garrett Wilson agnostic. I'm not telling you don't take Garrett Wilson like he's a bust. My point is to trade up for him, even if you think he's falling, is is I think a uh, it's a fallacy as far as you're gaining value because what you cost, what it costs to go get him and acquire him, unless it's really cheap, which is hard to do in a startup that early, uh, you have a lot of risk baked into the Garrett Wilson ascension now. So let's uh, let's look at this because we got the board in front of us. So let's just look at it. Is there is there a scenario like I got a couple picked out in the second round? I only came up with one scenario where I could reasonably think of a trade up. And let's let's give a range here. And for me, the trade up would be if I already picked at the one on one and I got Patrick Mahomes. Right. Like I'm good. And I know we talked about being water. But Travis Kelsey is such an elite asset at the tight end position where if if I'm getting to like pick two two oh eight, two nine, and Travis Kelsey's there from a warp perspective, he is he's pretty elite. I'm at least thinking about like what's the cost or at least exploring it. What's the cost to trade up from two twelve to to two oh eight to lock in Travis Kelsey to pair him in a best ball league, which this is or a lineup league doesn't really matter. I still want to pair them or stack them together. Like, would you at least explore that kind of idea and see what the trade-up cost was? Like, if somebody told you it was, I need your 212 and I need your your 24 seconds, you know, to trade up four spots. Are you thinking about it going like, I know I want to stay fluid and be water, but if you're going to let me pick the direction with the best quarterback and the best tight end for the last how many years mm -hmm. and stack these two together, are you at least thinking like, yeah, I don't really need that 24 second. Like I'm, yeah, like, no, I mean that, that would be an exception to the rule, right? Where as long as it doesn't cost a first, right? In no, the trade -up. but, but to the point you're making with the second, because all right, I can sit here and, and say to myself, and I think, uh, especially Mike, when we're talking about startup trades this early in startups, you, you kind of have to 
in my mind anyway, Dynasty Degenerates, kind of kind of think about things in range of outcomes, okay? So if you, you're trading the 212, now if I can let go of my second, all right, in, in the worst case scenario, I'm giving up pick 13. Like, look, forget what's going to happen in rounds three and beyond, what I do with all these different moves and what I do in the season. If I completely flame out, like if I completely fall on my ass, I get, you know, attrition is against me. I, I get a, a ravage of, of injuries, right? If that happens and I lose the 201, the 13th pick, for the process of trying to go get a stack, which is extremely high warp value, and it's on a ticking time bomb with Kelsey, it's worth it. That's fine. Go go do that. Like, you, you still can win that one. Because what you're losing, like, admit the other side now, range of outcomes. If this is the 212, like, here, I, take this. I'm begging you. Take this 212 and let me utilize it to go get the stack, right? So that's where the range of outcomes is so big. Whereas when you start liquidating a first in the startup this early, Mike, and you think about that same range of outcomes, imagine, again, the same scenario when you send your first and it's like, Holy crap. There's Marv. That's my pick. It's Marvin right. Harrison Jr. It's it's Caleb. It's May. It's Rocket Sanders. I don't even care if you don't even have to be super early. Like if you're top six and you miss the playoffs, you are kicking yourself to death because that's a totally different cost. Totally different cost in a startup this early. So the crazy thing is we talk about it and I think it's reasonable. You know, you say the two twelve and a twenty four second. Like somebody Somebody go, oh, you know, that that seems light or or maybe it seems too too heavy for some people. But Adam, like the crazy thing is I look in my head and I go, I could I could wrap my mind around this. But this is also where we talked about on the last episode when we started this is being water and kind of knowing the board and looking at what things do. I mean, if you think about what actually happened in this draft, that 212 was Kyler Murray. Like Kyler Murray in a second or Travis Kelsey? Which would you rather have in a vacuum? of space, a super flex league, a 12 team super flex league. And you're telling me you not, not, not the stack. Okay. You, you, the stack isn't in play, but would you rather have Kyler Murray and a random 24 second? Or would you rather have Travis Kelsey? Cause I know what the hell my answer is. As good as Travis Kelsey is. I look at it and I go, shit, I'd rather take the quarterback. I'll take, I'll take Kyler Murray in the second. Like, I feel like I'm leveraging the shit out of you right now. It's funny, man. Cause, uh, you know, I'm going tomorrow to NYC to visit the uh, the Big Dogs Got to Eat crew, and I'm looking. And this this manager who has that first pick in the 212, Dverg, he was in back in the day. Uh, one of these chats and discords. Um, so I've I've seen him draft, and I've seen his stuff. Well, he he was in uh, Heisman Destination. Day yeah, show. he was in Heisman. Exactly. I was gonna say. H- then he jumped into Heisman, right? He, he's been in a lot of Discord. Yes, yeah, he's been around, man. He's I've seen Dverg a lot. It, it's, this goes back to like COVID year, twenty twenty. But it's yes. funny because the only thing, the only pushback I would give is that, like, I'm with you. Um, typically, I'd rather just have as great as Kelsey is. And I, if you tell me I have to secure my quarterback and stay in the top twelve, fifteen, I'll do it. The only pushback I'll give though is, see. This is about knowing your, who you're drafting with. And for you here, I know you don't. So it's harder um, here to let it pass. And that's where I think probably take Kyler Murray. But, Mike, when you go to ADP, man, like the South Harmon ADP, you can go to, you know, Bulletproof FF. There's so many places you can get ADP, API now. But 
from Sleeper. But, Mike, think about this. If you get the, the Kelsey, man, do you know that Travis, or not Travis Kelsey, Kyler Murray's going in the fourth round? Yeah. He keeps, uh, it's ridiculous. It's because ridiculous. Here, here's the thing, right? Like, if you tell me that there's a scenario where I trade a second to get Kelsey and now I get Kyler in the third, good Lord. Now, it's a risk because if you don't, Right now, let's say you don't. That doesn't happen. Like, because I think you gotta you gotta play it from both lenses. If you trade up for Kelsey, you get rid of the second, and he's gone, and the quarterback rush happens. Right, because a lot of the drafts that we've been in that are, uh, I'm not even gonna say sharper, but the people we tend to play with, they're drafting quarterbacks earlier. Right, so if if you miss out on that, and now all of a sudden at the back end of the third, like you got C.J. Stroud, and that's it until Kirk Cousins. Like you're you're. It's a different scenario. And then and then in the hindsight 2020, yes, I want Kyler Murray at the 212. So the reason it's harder for me to answer is because I don't – like I, I feel like I've seen enough drafts where there's a chance he makes it to me in the third round because people are terrified of this guy. Um, but if you tell me in a vacuum he won't be there in the third and I have to go make a choice right now, I, I, I want the quarterback typically. I get you. I get you. This is something else too that leads me to another point that I like to do, and I think – I think a lot of people do it, um, so I don't know if this is anything actionable. Maybe it is for some. Maybe you, you haven't. But one thing I always find myself doing is is counting picks, Adam. So let's let's say example, pick two hundred eight is up. The guy's on the clock. He, uh, he's ready. You know, he may not have made this pick yet, but he's on the clock. I'm looking at it going. I pick a two twelve. So I got two hundred eight. I got two hundred nine, two ten, two eleven, and then my pick. So I'm going. I got five players possibly, right? Like I need to have five players in my queue of like who's the next guy I want to draft. And if I'm looking at it and I'm going, okay, for me, if I was in this situation, I'm on the I'm on I'm picking at 212, the guy at 208's on the clock. I'm going, okay, well, worst case scenario for me, Kyler goes, and then Tua goes, and then Dak goes, and then CJ Stroud goes. I'm going to miss out on all these quarterbacks because this is the way the board fell where it was like, these are the the next group of quarterbacks coming and I'm going in a super flex best ball league. These are the players that I want. I also want Travis Kelsey though. So there's the fifth one. I'm good with any five of these guys. I'm good with any five of them. I have a queue of five and I don't care which one falls to me. They will all be fantastic. Yes. I can make it worst case scenario for me because I'm a quarterback snob. Worst case scenario, you leave Travis Kelsey for me and I pair him with Patrick Mahomes. You're going to make me pick my direction, but I got the best stack in fantasy football that's known to man. Like, I got the best one. Best case scenario, you let a Kyler or a Tua, a Dak, CJ Stroud, one of these quarterbacks fall to me, and I'm going to hammer Patrick Mahomes and another, you know, top 14 quarterback option. And that's how I'm starting my super flex draft. Good luck to the rest of the league. So, this is like a strategy and I do it all over the board. I do it all over the board when my picks like coming up, it doesn't have to be within, you know, a certain number, but I'll take a look at the board and I'll start counting and I'll go, these are the guys that I would take. How many picks to me? Am I in good shape or am I in bad shape? And you'll find out more times than not too, especially as you start to get in these later rounds where I, I'm like, maybe I'm six picks away Adam, and I got a queue of six guys where I go, Yes. Yes, like I am in perfect position. Chances are <laughs> there's going to be two or three people that draft completely different than me 
whatever they're drafting on, completely different values. And then the worst, it's it's a good, bad feeling. The worst good, bad feeling to have in a startup draft is you go, damn, now I have to make a selection between three guys. Like I thought all these guys were going to be gone. You were going to make this pick very easy for me. And instead they took some reaches or they took some guys that I wasn't even in consideration for me. And now I'm left with two, three choices of now I have to push the button on it. But in the case of this draft, Travis Kelsey was the first one that stood out to me where I'm going, all right, maybe I'd trade up. The next one I had was, was the guy who has Josh Allen, right? The guy who took Josh Allen at the, the one Oh three, you get to the third round. Adam, at, at what point in the third round with with what you know about Stefan Diggs, and I don't know how much you buy into some of these reports of him being unhappy, and you know we get all this stuff during conjecture season and the offseason when there's nothing really to talk about at this point, but I don't know how much you're buying into this whole beef that maybe he has or does not have with the Buffalo Bills, but at what point in the third round or is it in the fourth round where if you already drafted Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs becomes a guy where you go, listen, stack, probably not as good as a, a Kelsey and Mahomes, but a Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs stack is pretty appealing to me at cost. At what point do you kind of go, maybe I'd explore a trade up if the, if the, the price wasn't, you know, didn't involve anything to do with my first. Mike, you played sports, uh, dynasty degenerates. I don't know of those listening who did and didn't play in a lot of sports, but uh, I, I'm I, genuine question, um, kind of genuine, kind of facetious. But I'm, how many locker rooms were you in where everything all the time was all sunshine and rainbows, all rosy? Everybody's on the same page, all happy, best friends. There's a bunch of alpha males, egomaniacs that don't have anything that goes wrong between each other, man. And they're highly got, paid million-dollar athletes, man. Genuine I question. A, I do got an answer for you, and I think it was in middle school, right, where the there coaches lead the iron rule, you don't have a choice, and we're just here to have fun, and it's for the love of the game. Once you start getting to that high school level, like you got beefs, you got like, I don't like this guy, he stole my girlfriend, like he's he talking to this girl I really like, whatever the thing is, man, the, the, the males start clashing. and You're teammates, but you still like, there's those dudes on your team where you're like, I don't like him. I now, don't like him at now all. Speaking, speaking of which, Mike went there, so we'll just uh, we'll get a little off the rails before we get back on. But uh, go back and watch back when he was on the Vikings. <laughs> you know, the whole locker room, they, they're asking, now which, which which guy would you want to date your sister and which one wouldn't you? And uh, when it was wouldn't you, everyone was like, I remember Universal. Thielen especially was like looking, oh, Diggs. You know, oh, Diggs, yeah. easy, right? And you, you can go look in the tabloids and find plenty of dig stuff that would give you – reasons why he may not be um yes all that, that agreeable was, with everybody awesome. right? one of the best clips i think i've ever seen like in a locker room yes because it's like a a vikings blog or like a viking yeah, website exactly podcast yeah. like thing like interviewing those guys and, you know they, they had all kinds of different answers for who they would want in that locker room exactly but there was one common theme it was universal. <laughs> One common theme, and when you like nowadays, you clip up something long form for a short. Like it's a, it's a easy short, all with digs. If I remember right, too, it was one of the the defensive linemen who had like the podcast who's interviewing like the other players, right? These other teammates. So it was crazy. <laughs> but and I mean, li- listen, the you know trying to get back on the rails a little bit. But the point is. Like, is it shocking to me that Diggs, who was unhappy after he just signed that big deal in Minnesota 
and then wanted to go somewhere else and he's you know feeling whatever chip on his shoulder no it's not surprising to me is that something that i'm buying into in july yeah it's it's the of course what are we talking about you want to talk about trey lance again everybody like we we can do that again there's not that much to talk about right so i'm buying um i'm buying to the answer of if i have already taken josh allen and we're in the third round what like i'm one of these that if i take josh allen at the 103 because because here's the thing if we're talking third round reversal or not is the difference here yeah right right there at the 210 i'm already kind of thinking i'm already kind of thinking like I know it's early. I know it's early. Like, I know it's early, but damn it. Do I want to do it? If if, if there's some way in the world he's there at the 310, um, which, by the way, ADP on South Harmon and in your draft, um, he was. And the worst part, Mike, and uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to the South Harmon crew, Waddling Tuna. By the way, he's in both discords. He's a uh, Destination Devi crossover into South Harmon. He's in both. Let's go. Profiting from, I mean, getting, deciding that the 310 in a third round reversal, and nah, I'm not going to take digs here. To the ball's the pass. Right. The ball's the pass at the 310. To do that, not, and then also not taking, you know, Waddle, who's already gone, but it's not like I, I'm a Jalen Waddle fan, Waddle into it. The, the 403 comes back and digs is there. This is this is kind of what I'm talking about, Mike, with, with being fluid about stuff, especially knowing players' stigmas and how they're trending. This is what I'm talking about with Kyler, all right? Deverg, no, this is no shade to Deverg, by the way. I've dealt with him quite a bit. I, I, I like him. But when you ask me the question, Mike, like there's a part of me that says, you know what, I'll take Kelsey at the 212 and take the risk that he makes it into the 312. Or... I can also maybe say maybe at 309, which was you. Well, let's go 308 for the case uh, here because I know you won't trade me. The 308, right? Like, I got to jump McNutted, but I can do it again for something cheap. Now, you know, I'll, I'll take that because the, knowing players' stigmas at the certain time of year when you're drafting too, I think is a big thing. And, like, I'm already thinking, Mike, well, I just told you, I'm not buying the Diggs bullshit. But at 210, if I would have taken him and realized – I will never know, but then realize later, hindsight twenty twenty, I get him at the four hundred three. What what did I do? Why did I reach right? Like that's right. part of the problem, and why I want to be fluid in these startups. Well, you you kind of had it, and I'll touch on it too because I was I was part of it, like pre draft, before it even kicked off. I traded up into another top eight pick to get a quarterback. Right. We don't even have to discuss the <laughs> the whole thing of how that started, but yeah. But, one, but that's so what, you got T Law at the one hundred eight, right? Right, and I made a very reasonable trade for me. Like, it was cheap. Let's be honest. It was completely cheap. It wasn't reasonable. It was very cheap. It was cheaply acquired. You traded – for everyone listening, you got the 108, right? And you sent away, if I remember right, the two two and the three, right? And you got back a seven. And I got back a seven. And you had had the balls to ask for the sixth, right? Back. And then he decided, you know what, I don't want to give him what he's asking for, so here's a seventh. So instead of getting I mean, think about this. Instead of getting the six oh eight, here's the seven oh five. But yeah, you go ahead and you get your T loss share. Right. So I it was very, very cheap, let's be honest. Because trade into the a startup super flex draft, best ball like this for for two top eight quarterbacks. 
uh, and to only send away your second and third and still get a seventh back in best ball is ridiculously cheap. Like that's a fantastic deal. And Adam, I felt great about it. And then the draft happened and I'm not going to lie to you. Like I still like the fact that I got to start Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. Like what a great start. If you check out anything we do on the trade show on Saturday, there'll be a, a Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence trade, which is, is mind blowing, but I love both quarterbacks. And I felt very good about it. And I don't really care. We talked about the last episode when we started this. I don't have to pick a direction, right? I don't have any picks in rounds two or three. I let everybody else choose it. And whatever comes back to me in four, it's easy. You either made the decision for me. There's a lot of good vets out there that are going to produce a lot of points. If you want me to compete, I got two elite quarterbacks. And now I'm just going to hammer the shit out of uh, of veteran players who produce a lot of fantasy points. And I'm going to try to go for it. And I always have this young top eight elite quarterback you know to fall back on whenever i need it even if it fails um if people start reaching for vets then all right i'm just gonna hammer youth like i'm gonna play the long game i'm gonna play like everybody else and i'm just gonna draft for value and i'll kind of figure out things as i go but i already have my quarterback situation locked down i never have to pay up for it again here's the thing though like i made that trade and it was a very cheap deal it was a very cheap deal but I have no idea how anybody else is going to draft. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know these people. I don't really know what they like. We get to the third round, man. And we, we talked about Deverg. Like Kyler Murray was on the board at the 212. Basically the third round. I'm like, well, what the? Okay. I get it. People don't like Kyler. But then you look at it. We talked earlier. Like Tua went at the 3-3. Dak Prescott went at the 3-4. And CJ Stroud went at the 3-5. And I'm going... You know, I could have started Joe Burrow and a choice of any one of those four quarterbacks on the way back, and I wouldn't have had to pay a damn cent. I wouldn't have had to pay anything. And I'd still have my third-round pick. And my third-round pick could have been like, I could have started Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, if that was my choice. And then in the third round, I could have had Tyreek Hill. (laughs) Like That could have been my start, and I didn't pay anything for it. I didn't have to make a trade. But... It is what it is. Like, you you have those buyer's remorse moments. Like, I still feel good about it because I got T-Law and I got Joe Burrow. But the point is, like, when you're in a draft, you really don't know if you you can get an idea with ADP, but you're going to see those things all over the place. And and Adam, like the Diggs thing, the waddling tuna thing, you know, we're talking in the third round. We're on the same page here. If I've already taken Josh Allen – like we get to the 301. I think you're a hundred percent right though. At the 210 on the way back in the second round, I'm thinking about it hard. I'm thinking about, yeah, I just push the bullshit aside. But I go to ADP and I go, okay, people are kind of buying into this. I see him slipping. Maybe I'll risk it and we'll see if we get him at the 310. But the amazing thing to me about this draft, and big shout out to Wadley Tuna about it, like you said, is the stones at the 310 to go, nah. I'm passing on Stefan Diggs to pair with my Josh Allen. I'm going to go T Higgins. That's who he takes. And then knowing, like, I don't even know if he knew, but probably being shocked that coming back at the four, three, it's like, all right, I get the stack. I could have originally had at the two ten, and I paid the four, three for it. So the, the, the overall, overall theme of it for me is there's some players like Travis Kelsey. There's some players like Stefan Diggs. I can't really think of any other ones offhand that I go like, it has to be one of these elite stacks with the quarterback that I took in the first round. 
for me to really want to pay up for in rounds two, three, four. Like it has to be a, a Kyler, a Tua, a Dak Prescott, a CJ Stroud, Travis Kelsey, or Stefan Diggs if you're the Mahomes or Josh Allen owner already. For me to think about trading up, none of these other guys. We're talking we're talking Jameer Gibbs, Brees Hall, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey. Like Adam, if any of these dudes were to slip into the fourth round, would I care? No, I don't. Tyreek Hill, if he slips into the fourth round, do I care? Do I want to trade up? No, not really thinking about it. Even though I rank them very highly in my dynasty ranks, I just don't really care because there's other guys in the range where I go, similar thing, similar thing. I'm not trying to get the stack. I don't really care. Devontae Smith, I like him. I'm an Eagles fan. I like him. He falls into the fifth round at like the 501, 502, 503. Do I do I want to trade up for him? There's a part of me who goes like, I need some more Smitty on my my portfolio. But I'm not doing it. I'm not sending you a damn thing to trade up for it. So trading up in a startup draft for me has been the biggest change between how I used to do it, where I go, this is ridiculous. How could you let player X fall to the 411? I'm trading up. Like ADP says this is a joke. He should be going in the third round. The beginning of the third round, I'm getting incredible value. The risk first reward never pays off for me. And I had to learn it the hard way, right? You trade that pick, your team falls flat on its face. The other guy's got all the leverage and he's laughing all the way to the bank. So generally, I would say trading up in a startup draft, this is a long-winded way of saying, I just don't do it. There's a very select few scenarios and they're right. very specific for me to have to do it. I was I was just going to say, man, um, I think I think it is key, though, to give context to the exceptions. So because let, let, let's talk about, um, you know, right now we're, it's very clear that it's a wide receiver nation, if you will, right? Like it's a wide yeah. receiver yeah. driven league driven dynasty. Um, it, that was a little convoluted and it was very split depending on, you know, who you listened to a year ago. And now it's, there's no way to deny what the value is, right? It is extremely clear right now, isn't it? <laughs> Very much so. And I, I'm not, by the way, I'm not even arguing that wide uh, running backs take a huge step forward in the ADP because I think I think there's a scenario where it, it's clear enough that even if there are certain running backs that smash, the sharper dynasty manager can say that there's a shorter shelf life of it. And we've even seen... You know, guys like Jonathan Taylor, who, I mean, let, let, let's talk about how great he was for a while. And he's now even a third-round pick, right? Because it's it's all dependent on what you did last year. A lot of times with that running back position, and as they get older, the value tends to go down a lot in Dynasty. But the the point I want to get to here is the exceptions to the rule of trading up. So, and, and the reason I bring up running backs and wide receivers is if you go back a couple years, and you go back like three years especially, it was the thing to do was trade back. And the reason why is because you could clean up on value. Like you could trade back and the, the, the quarterback market was different, right? There was a lot more reasonable targets in the second, third, and fourth. The values of quarterbacks hadn't quite been realized to the degree that it is now. And you could basically go net another quarterback and get, you know, crazy criminal future value and bet against other teams over and over. But now the, the the trends aren't that way. So the reason I bring that up is 
in your league, just like we talked about ADP and how we're talking about at the 210. Yeah, let me, I'm thinking about Diggs, right? But you look at this and it's like, wow, he went to 403. That guy, you know, Waddling Tuna had a chance to take him at, at the 210, passed, got Andrews. At the 310, took Higgins and didn't take Diggs. And I know he had to be thinking, man, I, right. I'm taking Higgins, but this is risky. And then gets him at the 43. The point is, because I think a lot of people from that point that was you could get a bunch of value in startups now, some of them, you'll see people that maybe want to trade back or they're more willing to make a deal in a startup and a trade that you may not believe. And the exceptions to the rule are this, for me anyway. One, if I can trade up and we're talking about pick swaps, all right? Pick swaps. So I'm not even giving away future pick value so let's yeah. say for example i'm like looking and it's the third round and i'm like y'all y'all are crazy like kyler's still really here so right. i can go from my 312 to the 305 right and, and net kyler but what i give on the way back is you know let's call it even 401 to 412 now or something like that like i don't know exactly how it'll work out for the trade specifically for you but point is if you can swap picks you, you, you give your you give your fourth rounder and you get a, a six rounder back you know exactly I mean? like if i can do that and i'm i'm net even in picks and it's in that dead zone where like yeah fourth of the six i'd much rather have the 401 than you know the i guess in this scenario It'd be the 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 five five or the six oh eight. Of course, I'd right. that's a big gap. But if I can net my secure quarterback asset that I feel really good about, and I have a top twelve quarterback or top fifteen quarterback asset, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally willing to to play the gap and still have a at six oh eight man at wide receiver loss. You can net still Brandon Ayuk. You know, uh, you could probably still get Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnson if you want to go the youth route. You can get. Uh, DJ Moore types. So I'm not saying that they're as valuable as the 401, but that's something I'm willing to do to trade up if I can pick swap. And then the the other exception would be if I'm going to outright buy a player. Okay, so so make sure you hear me here, Dynasty Generals. Outright buy a player means I am sending away future draft capital only for a startup pick. But this the the exception to the rule is if I am netting secure assets which for me is top five wide receiver or top 12 quarterbacks period that's it i'm not buying running backs i'm not buying tight ends i am buying those two things for future picks straight up if i can do that i'm in on those things pick swaps that type of stuff if you really want to leverage a first to get into the third round let's say you're going to send like a seventh and a first and you're getting again a top 12 quarterback secure asset that's probably another one, but like those are the exceptions. Outside of that, if I'm trading into trading up in a startup and I'm gonna draft Devontae Smith, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, I like those assets, but look at startups year in and year out. There is scenarios for all those players where there is a big dip in value. Big dip in value. And you don't want to send your future away for that in the third, fourth round. And get stuck holding the bag, and your team's not that good. <laughs> right. This is uh, in the past. You and I used to do it all the time. Like this is ridiculous. There's no way it's going to happen. And 
I think we got asked on an AMA or we got asked by a patron one time in Discord about it. And and for me, it was, I was like, holy, holy crap, man, you are a thousand percent right here. Like, I would not do it. In a startup, June, July, Adam, think about it. If I told you I'm on the clock, Jonathan Taylor is available to you in the third round in a startup, but the cost is, Adam, I need your 24 first. Like, think about how hard it is to say no now, especially off of what last year you'd smash the hell out of it. You'd be like, Mike is tripped. Why don't I must a single me. first? What he, lo- he he really got into the vodka tonight. He really he wants got those into picks the so bad. You can have this pick. You can have this pick. But think about how crazy that is. Like in June or July, right now, I'm sitting here and I'm going, I'd rather keep my first. I'd rather keep the fluidity and the leverage and, and the liquidity that I have of that first because I've seen it go south in a, in a heartbeat. JT gets hurt. Something bad happens to Jonathan Taylor, and all of a sudden we're talking about next year. Is Jonathan Taylor even worth a first? And you got you got our guy Scott Connor out there being like, nope, he's a running back. You know, he's this many years old. He, you know, the ship has sailed. The market. Leave it alone, Scott. Leave it alone. <laughs> right, right, like it's done. It's over with. It's over for JT. You're never getting a first for him anywhere. You know, I've I've sent out 40 offers of JT for a first and been declined all over the place. And and it's all of a sudden there is no damn market for Jonathan Taylor. That is in the range of outcomes. As much as we sit here now and go like, man, I love JT. I love his running style. And he's still fairly young. And I can make the case for him all I want. But I've seen the bottom fall out of so many of these assets that I thought were sure bets. And all of a sudden, that person is sitting there holding my my 24 first. That's all of a sudden is the 104. And I'm going, damn. Jonathan Taylor of the 104. Next June or July, it's a smash for whoever owns the 104. No question about it. And we've seen it happen. But we tell ourselves this story all the time right now in June or July. That'll never happen. Crazy to think that's the world that we're living in right now. But I don't like to trade away my 24 first anymore. Uh, I don't want to leverage it in the startup unless it's for something stupid. Like something stupid. And and we talked about it when we did the auction thing. You know, I could trade my 24 first for enough auction dollars that buy me a first round startup talent player where the range of outcomes. Yes. Could they be bad? But Adam, if I told you right now, Bijan Robinson has a, you know, a foot injury. I don't wish this on him at all, but he has a foot injury. He only plays two games this year at this point next year in June or July is Bijan Robinson still worth a first. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. No question. Well, about well it. look at Brees Hall. Yes. Towards ACL. Look right. at Brees Hall, and that's not even the same pedigree like uh, what people – I mean, don't get me wrong. Brees Hall is very highly coveted, but it's not Bijan. You know, so right. the answer is yes. We we started the show talking about Garrett Wilson. If Garrett Wilson only puts up four, 500 yards because he kind of had an injury riddle season, at this time next year, there's still people who will buy Garrett Wilson for a first. Yes. Of course. Yes. So A thousand percent. Those are the kind of assets where they have to be so much of a home run slam dunk for me to leverage it. But even then, it still just doesn't feel good because I think about all the things I can do for team building standpoint later on and how many needs I can fill or I can down tier and I can package that pick with some other things and I can get this and I can get that. Um, Trading first for me, I'm good. I will say this on the opposite side, though. 
for those of you who want to go into the productive struggle, who want to go into the rebuild, the uh, the startup draft is probably, Adam, the best place, the absolute best place to acquire future draft capital. And it doesn't even really have to be 24. Like, think about this. If you're doing a real startup right now, like a, a real startup, more than likely that league is still going to be around in two years. And people devalue the shit out of 25 first right now. Devalue them at all. So we're talking about that that trade-up scenario earlier. You're at the 212, and you really wanted to go get Kyler Murray. If you're a savvy manager and they offered you the 212 to go to the 208, and they wanted to give you a 24-second, you look at them and go, nah, I want your 25 first. And there's a lot of people in startups who look at that and go, Oh, it's basically a 24 well, second. But but the, the best way, the best way too, especially if there's like um pivots back and forth, you know, counters. Here here's the 25 second for your 25 first, right? Throw that throw that swap in there. So, we're right. swapping future for this four pick difference and boom. It's now and, and and the thing is, right? When you think about that, it's two years out. My team's going to be really good. All this stuff, and and they might, they may even mess around and win the twenty three, you know, championship. Cool. We're talking about the twenty four season, though, right? And you're going to play these edges up over and over in a startup, and then continue to to stockpile those type of assets in the twenty three season. So that one bet, whether you look back and win or lose is irrelevant but just think about the edges for a second if you did that so it's it's a year out value wise and this manager might can might be like all right you're obviously gonna mess this up and i'm gonna win okay so he thinks he's gonna get you know the send you this you know 112 and he's gonna get maybe a chance at an early second but what's the flip side of that what if that's like 106 and you have a chance at more mid second like the difference in a mid first and a mid second is what way it's seismically more seismically more than four picks in the second round like the 106 we're talking is a you know fifth sixth round pick in every class and it has a chance to go higher you know where that that 18th pick's going right. 11th 12th and right about now people are kind of like over the youth movement and they start to be like josh downs yeah you can have him you know, that uh, that Tajay Spears type, yeah, you can have them. So, giant difference in what can come to fruition in a first and a second round pick. The last thing I'll talk about, right, and we'll, we'll get out of here and let's put a nice bow on it. And uh, I think it's a good discussion. And it's something that, I don't know, I, I got to get your opinion on it. We think a lot the same, but we also think a little bit differently. I talk about drafting for value and then trading for need later, especially if you're going to do a contender. You're, you're not trading for need if you're rebuilding a productive struggle. Let's get that off the books, right? <laughs> Nobody in the history of a productive struggle goes, I need a tight end. L- listen, if you need a tight end in a productive struggle, you're doing productive struggle wrong, period, point blank. You don't need anything. You need points off your team, and you need the best draft capital you can give. But – Adam, one of the things that like kind of irritates me just personally is people not leaning into when they pick a direction, right? Like I want them to stay fluid, especially through the first couple rounds. But at the moment, you see what your other league mates are doing and you're starting to see where the chips are fall and you start to choose your own direction and picking one. 
not leaning into it throughout the draft. And it irritates me to no end. So here's an example. This is this is just me, and you can judge me however you want. I traded up for two elite quarterbacks. We get to the fourth round, and I'm looking at warp, and I'm looking at who's available, and I'm picking at the 4-4, and I go, you know what? I think in this league, because it's you know there's some point per carry, and the running back warp is so high, fourth round, I'm deciding I'm going for it. I'm going to try to win this. I have two elite quarterbacks. It's a best ball league. Austin Eckler is staring me in the face. And this is a guy who's a threat to be RB1, RB2, RB3, like elite warp difference maker for me. And I'm going to take him in the fourth round. The minute I push the button on Austin Eckler, I go, I'm leaning into it. Like we're going for it right now. We're going to, I'm going to try to build the best, oldest fantasy producing team I possibly can while keeping my future draft capital just in case and seeing if I can leverage that at a different time. I'm not going to do it in the startup draft. I'll try to see where I can do it later. So I take Austin Eckler. The picks after it, right? Devontae Adams, you know, uh, DeAndre Swift in the eighth round, Derek Henry in the seventh round, Brandon Ayuk as my wide receiver two in the, you know, the seventh round as well with that extra pick. Amari Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, right? Like these are all Ezekiel Elliott in the in the seventeenth round, seventeen nine. Like these are all the old, crusty guys that nobody wants because they're old, they're disgusting. Maybe they don't have a team, but I'm looking at them just trying to build a fantasy contender and trying to take whoever is old and crusty that's going to score fantasy points at value that I'm not paying for because there's been so much youth that's been off the board. I'm going to lean into it and take the old guys. The thing that irritates me more is when, like, I see teams that have, like, this youth build and they they kind of stay real nice and fluid, right? They stay nice and they stay nice and fluid to some point, and it's almost like in the fifth or sixth round, they go, like, oh, I got to try to, quote, unquote, be competitive. Like, I got to – instead of just leaning into it and and taking those players who – are going to accrue value. Those players who are going to ascend in value, who are going to be assets, those players who are pretty safe, like the young wide receivers. They almost tell themselves a story where they're like, I need running backs. Why? Why? If your first three, four picks were young wide receivers and you're, you got quarterbacks, you got young quarterbacks who are ascending values, why are you leaning into running back in like round six? Like, why are you going that route? Why are you taking the ones? Even if you think they're young, we know what the running back market is. The running back market anymore, and I think Scott has said this a billion times at this point, Dynasty as a whole basically is year to year, but the running back market especially is year to year. It is it is what have you done for me lately and where are you at now? Age doesn't really matter anymore. It, it really doesn't. The, Either the you only, produce the only... fantasy points or you don't. Yeah, the only thing would be, you know, um, having that rookie contract guaranteed right. is the only value insulation that you have for the the higher end running backs, right? Because the other ones, they may fall out of favor even on a rookie contract. So the point is that you're making, and can I give you the answer that you're not going to want to hear? Yeah. Um, they've listened to Scott Connor's best ball roster construction series where you got to take the running backs earlier. And, um, you know who was responsible for that happening <laughs> right right but why are you building a roster then around young wide receivers that don't produce very well 
I'm I'm giving you the answer. I'm not necessarily saying that it's uh it's the right one. I think I think you, in best ball I mean, though like, you're seeing that. But I, I would say this. I think Mike, the the truth of the matter is, when you look at it in the way that best ball works, teams are scared. See, what you're talking about right now, and this is this is something I think that we'll get into a future episode. There there basically was this um way you and I kind of were more in on it in our original patron league. I was like, listen, I'm going to prove to you that it's possible and not only possible, it's a formidable strategy to completely nuke any value for the next year or two as far as yes. points per game, right? 100%. Now, right now, because of how, how thin the quarterback market is, right, and how teams that don't have any quarterbacks on their team, they feel like they're never going to make it up. So there's, I think there's a little bit of a fear of this t- completely nuclear rebuild. And I think, Mike, the, the point I'm making with that is like completely zeroing RBs, completely zeroing anything for people in a startup for them means they're out. And I think teams that are saying just because I want to rebuild or be young, they also don't want to be out. And that's part of the uh, misconstrued narrative. It's like, all right, you haven't really roster constructed appropriately. You're you're leaning into these young receivers who probably don't matter and warp for a couple of years, at least a year, right? So these running backs may help you, but they're not going to get you to the bottom, and your team's not good enough to get to the top. Is the point you're really making? People do not in startups typically, Mike. This is one of the things that 4D has been still more on an island on. They don't. Want, most people do not want to lean fully in a startup in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth round even into I'm going to lose. And I think that is something that can be exploited, but you don't have to completely nuke it uh, right away. But I, th- that's a future episode for us because it ties into a lot of things. This is uh, maybe it's just me nitpicking, right? And I'm, I'm not calling anybody out. I'm not going to name names, but I, there's a person who drafted Chase Waddle Devontae Smith as a start. Mm-hmm. I go, okay, well, you're, you're kind of pissed off. You know, the quarterbacks, but I don't, I don't hate that build, right? You start with three very good wide receivers. You'll figure shit out as you go, right? Maybe sure. you, you walk into Caleb Williams, Drake May next year, and all of a sudden you kickstart your quarterback. Yep. Then, then they take Christian McCaffrey in the same round. And well, I go, okay. What's weird is I, I feel like I know who you're talking about, and um, he's, you know, a team member now too. So, <laughs> so you, you take Christian McCaffrey, and then you take Kirk Cousins and Matt Stafford. And I go, okay, like I, I kind of understand this. You, you got three good wide receivers. You, you stayed nice and fluid. You're drafting value because everybody's going to want some chase. People still want bottle. People definitely want Devontae Smith as well. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, it's a win now piece. Uh, you kind of backfilled. You punted quarterbacks, so you backfilled with with Kirk Cousins and Matt Stafford. Don't don't forget he gets Tannehill in ninth too. Right, ended up getting Tannehill in the ninth. Very okay, that's fine for best ball. The one that like when I talk about like really leaning into it, like like don't him and Haw and go back and forth. When you take George Pickens, like you you've kind of signaled that you you had a strong wide receiver room and you've built these other ancillary pieces around it. Uh, to to go to compete, right? As soon as you make that Christian McCaffrey pick, you make the Kirk Cousins and the Matt Stafford pick, you're going like, all right, I'm going for it. I got stud wide receivers. I'm just trying to backfill the best I can. Why take George Pickens over 
better options at fantasy producers if that's what you're doing. Like you you signaled the direction. Why take George Pickens over DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, Brandon Ayuk, Calvin Ridley, mm-hmm. uh, running backs like J.K. Dobbins, Miles Sanders, Swift, Cam Akers, you know, these kind of, uh, Chris Godwin at wide receiver, Terry McLaurin. Like why why a George Pickens thing? Like that's where you're trying to dip your toe in and then and then back out again. And I can understand if it was like a draft for value trade for need, like I was talking about, mm-hmm. but what's the value on George Pickens? Like, do you think George Pickens already has that value of seven, three when everything else is telling you, no, everything else tells you there's no way in hell. Like if, if you got George Pickens in the ninth round, I'd understand like where sure. you got Tannehill. Like if you sure. took George Pickens there, like, okay, he's falling too far. There's still people out there who really love George Pickens. Maybe I can flip him for something else. But you're taking him at his peak and and probably above his peak of where people have him. So it's it's more – that's the thing where I don't understand because it always seems like when I look at drafts, and I said maybe it's me nitpicking, mm-hmm. where there's like one or two selections where I go like this – just uh, talk me through it. Show your work on why you made this when you made all these other selections. Like I was with you and I could kind of follow your draft and then there's the one or two selections where I go – what are we doing? All right. <laughs> like well, what, it was on the table for you, like laid up here. I'll, I'll tell you what, man. Um, I, I, I'll I'll defend. I'll try to defend the other side. And uh, J Cap, okay. J Cap, get your pen and paper out. I don't know if this is what you're planning to do, but let me uh, let me tell you. Just you know, note this as something to try. So, I. This is why, Mike. I'm gonna I'm gonna shout it out here. I'm I'm really excited to do this uh, Dynasty Mind Warp with Scott Connor because. One of the biggest things in the warp tool and understanding warp in your league is also understanding how that compares to market, right? So if I start with this in best ball, I'm already leaning into the fact that like you have the crux of value. What I mean by that is like chase is one of these assets that I I don't care if you specifically Mike know that in best ball chase is as great as he is can be replaced by multiple pieces yes 11 well if it's J cap and you so 10 other people don't necessarily all know that right right they don't necessarily all know that for Waddle either and you have Devonte Smith in the third so now you have like three legit points per game options that you could tear down on one easily and forego like mm-hmm. hey Here's Jamar Chase. Yeah, you're going to give me all that value back? Cool. Because guess what? I got Waddle and Devontae Smith. And I have three crusty-ass old quarterbacks that can't run. But here you go. Like, watch me stack these up. And I'll probably get one of these crusty ones coming back in a trade for a uh, you know a Chase or a, a, a Waddle or a Smith. Now, the point you make about Pickens, right? I think it's a, um, it's a move I agree with you typically where it's like, why do that? Because if you think about realistically, like the scenarios for Pickens, I, I like them. I, I like them because I think there's so much hate that, like, I'm willing to kind of bet against the hate of him because there's market to him. But to your point, like, why are we doing that when it's DJ Moore behind him? But, Mike, here's the difference look at who's going behind him DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, Brandon Ayuk, Ridley, um, Dotson would be an exception to this that I'm talking about. Kirk, Godwin, Deontay, uh, Terry McLaurin, right? 
what do these guys all have? They have enough on their plate as far as production and what we've seen. Not saying they're not valuable, but there's no essential. There's no like crazy upside. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Now, it's a little bit of, to your point, it's a little bit of have your cake and eat it too, which I get was what frustrates you. Like, nah, man, you're trying to, you're trying to play the system and you're going to end up getting burnt. But here's the difference. This is drafting and I mean, this is already done. It's July. Oh, well, it's not done. It's the 32nd round, but it's about to be done. It's July 5th. Guess what you have? A mo- you got how many days until the season starts? Right. Let me find that, t- that team that's actually leaned into this. And let me see if I can now make pickings in some of this tear downs that I've got from these wide receiver assets. Now I can get myself maybe a, a, a cup from a team that messed up the draft. Now I can get myself one of those type things. So I think there is – sometimes there is to the point that you're making, going back to what you did, the difference with what you did and what JCAP did, where I love what you did, seemed like you stayed very flexible all the way until about round nine, right? Like you didn't draft any old – outside of Adams and Eckler, like even Mac and Ayuk. The, those aren't like dead assets in the water. They're, they're actually kind of devalued young guys, right? You didn't start leaning into this, all right, now we're going to go win. And you get uh, Nuke at ten in the 10th. Dalvin Cook, Kamara in 11th and 12th, right? right. It, if you're, your- when you start leaning into the 9th and later in best ball, yeah, not, now you're pot committed. Go ahead and get every single crusty one in those ranges because the truth is most of these guys in upside, like if you start drafting for youth here, this is one of the things that I've learned, Mike. Okay, so in the 11th, like, you, you could have drafted Elijah Moore, but what happens if Elijah Moore fails? Like, it's over. It is over for him. I'll, I'm good. I'll, I'll take Dalvin Cook because if Dalvin Cook hits, I'm, I'm happy. And if it's over for him, it's the same as Elijah Moore being over, right? There's not as much upside for most of these young guys in this range if you really look at it truthfully. You know, when you get to the 10th, 11th, 12th round, like these are the type of rounds in best ball, especially I want to start drafting floor guys or, I mean, some of these older guys, it's floor and maybe upside if the situation hits, whereas where I love what you did. Um, so I think, I think both of them can work. The problem with what you're saying is with the Pickens pick, which is again, probably nitpicking, but in, in theory, you're trying to play up. You're going to make a couple moves ahead and then you down tier. Now you have extra assets and then you can go get a, a true stud difference maker. Maybe it's even that quarterback, but that, that that's the way I would, I would view it from J cap side. Okay. I, I can understand that one. The other one though, like I was trying to find a team, which really, really fit like how I would do it, where I'm leaning into one side or the other. Like if I'm going to youth, I'm going to youth period. Like, and I'm, I'm building yep. a team where I don't care how it finishes. I'm just trying to construct a team around quarterbacks and wide receivers and I'll fill in, you know, the value plays where I can find them. Um, and they're just going to be trade assets. But it was so hard to find it. Like, I'm looking at DeVerg's team. We, we started talking. Like, you start Patrick Mahomes. And that leads you to a multitude of options, right? Just having Patrick Mahomes on your team is a safest asset you could probably have in fantasy football. Comes back with Kyler. And even though, like we talked about it, maybe it was a little bit over ADP. I don't care. Like, Kyler at the 212, I'm perfectly fine with it. Good job. Great pick. Then, then you come back in the 312 and you take JSN. Little rich for my blood, but like at that pick, if you're making JSN at the 312, you're kind of going like, listen, I'm just building this whole 
youth monster. Okay. Like JSN probably ain't going nowhere in value. People are still going to love him. You double tap it with last year's wide receiver, one of the rookie class, Drake London. I'm going, okay. Like I could get behind this build. Two good quarterbacks, you know, you know, the whole Kyler thing, not coming back right away, you know, kind of up in the air. Right, this is fine. Right. And you got Patrick Mahomes, and now you got these youth wide receivers. You take Traylon at the 512 on the way back, and I'm going, all right, I see what you're doing here. And then it's just like a, a kick right in the ball sack for me, at least from like my OCD of how I like to build it. Damian Pierce at the 6-1, and I go, why? Why? It was going so well. It was going so well. I'm looking at it going like if I'm leaning into this thing, I'm going, well, either either I recognize the whole QB horde thing on there and I'm going to take another young quarterback like Mac Jones, or uh, if I don't want to go that route, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, you know, the George Pickens thing, like Michael Pittman, Brandon, like Jahan Dotson. These guys are staring me in the face. There ain't no way in hell I'm taking running back. I'm not trying to build a contender. I've taken young wide receivers. I got a quarterback who I already acknowledge probably ain't playing right away. I'm just taking value. There's no way in hell I'm taking Damian Pierce at the beginning of the sixth round. There's no way. no, Not even to trade him. Like I don't think anybody's given me anything close to what I paid for him in the startup. And then it's, you know, John Dotson at the 712. And it's like, okay, we're back on track. A little minor blip. And then J.K. Dobbins. Like, damn it. Damn it. No, stop it. So these are the kind of things where I'm like, just lean into it, man. Like you already had the good thing going. If we ended the draft and he had, you, you swapped out Pierce for Jordan Addison, you swapped out, you know, JK Dobbins for, I don't even know who the hell else he could have got. Zay Flowers. Shit. Zay Flowers could have gone after him. He sure. could have had Addison. He could have had Addison, Zay Flowers, Dotson, Traylon Burks, Drake London, Jackson Smith, and Jigba in two top 12 quarterbacks, one of them being Patrick Mahomes. How good do you feel about it? Didn't trade any draft capital. Still has all his draft capital. I don't care. We'll throw Caleb Williams, Drake May, Brock Bowers, Marvin Harrison Jr. on this team next year because I ain't got no running backs, and running backs do matter for competing warp-wise. This is a monster roster heading into next year. I'll find running backs. Hell, after Mike after Mike tries to win the league, whether he does or not and fails, I'm going to get Austin Eckler off him for cheap. I'm going to get Swift off him for cheap. Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry. I might only have to pay him thirds for some of these guys that I can buy him off him. So, And I'm going to pair him with these young wide receivers, these elite quarterbacks. That's what I mean, like the OCD for me, just lean into it. If you end up going old and picking your direction, lean into the old thing. If you end up going young and, and going like I'm kicking the can down the road with your first four or five selections, then lean into it later. Don't try to go back and forth. You just become a convoluted mess where it looks like every team in the league wants to compete with their selections that they have, but there's only going to be you know six playoff teams. There's only going to be like three true contenders, and there's only going to be one champion, and everybody else is sitting there going, eh, I'm kind of crappy. Yep, <laughs> like, but, but you know – I think there's two things to take from that, Mike. One, uh, it, it gave you an opportunity, this type of drafting, to do what you did, right? B- because it was happening this way, you were able to lean into the, the thing you wanted to lean into, which was drafting for value, drafting overall for, you know, regardless of age, like trying to stay as fluid as possible with just startups. And then when you realize by this point, you know, 
eighth round, ninth round. All right, let me get Swift. Let me get Cooper. Let me just lean into the win. That's right. what you did. But he, here's, I think, the opposite side, and I think we're – this is something that I think you and I can learn from and everyone else listening to can think about as well in their process. So when you look at this specific draft, Mike, right, you're talking about a trade out of the first round. So you net Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, right? Then you get Tua. Uh, you got Gibbs as well in the third. You get Geno as your QB2 in the fifth, probably pretty early, but go go ahead and do that, right? You get 6'10", 6'12", young wide receivers. You get 8'10", and 8'12", Christian Kirk and Deontay Johnson. So you get the youth and you get the old. To your point, you hate the lack of picking what they want to do. Right. Now you get to the 10th round, and there's a lot of what I see here is just value drafting. So it's James Cook, Kadarius Tony, Antonio Gibson in the 11th. Imagine Mike trading the first for Antonio Gibson last year to see him go at the 11-04, right? Couldn't be me, ever. No chance. Uh, <laughs> then, you, then, then you grab your first tight end in the 12th, and honestly, in best ball, I'm cool. Like, go ahead. Trey McBride in 12-10, cool with it. 14-12, Wandell, Tajay Spears, Jalen Warren. See, he, here's what I'm seeing, though, Mike, right? There's two things that I wanted to bring up about this. The lack of picking a direction right now, it doesn't mean that you're completely out. Now, what it does mean is you're going to have to make a lot of moves probably to reconstruct this if you do want to win. Because, like, Jordan Addison and Quentin Johnson, maybe one of them uh, supersedes what we expect in points per game. But... It's so highly unlikely both of them are like difference makers in points per game, right? Right. I mean, we we talked we started the show with Garrett Wilson. Exactly. He wasn't a difference maker. He was outside of the top 25 in points per game in most formats. We just talked as about As great Drake as he was. London. Right. We just talked about Drake London. Didn't really do shit for you warp-wise. Him and points per game. Drake Drake London, Chris Olave, and Garrett Wilson in most formats in PPR were outside of the top 25 in points per game. Now doesn't mean they doesn't mean they're gonna stay there for for all time, but like relying on rookies is the point. But then you backfield with Deontay and Kirk, and I think Mike, what I'm seeing here, outside of the Gibbs pick, you don't take a running back till the tenth. Interesting in this regard, and I think uh, this is what you're probably gonna see a lot of people, even in best ball, do. Because you don't, people are so like to your point, they they put their toe in, they don't want to actually get in the water. One of the things that I have thought about and I've, I've done a couple times in, in best ball is I know in roster construction, you want to have like probably eight in most uh, formats that are, you know, 30 or longer, right, with rosters. But you don't have to draft them in, in June. You don't have to draft them in July. You don't even have to have them in August, right? So he, here's, I think, what's happening here is... Ladies and gentlemen... Can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Underdog. That's right. Destination Debbie is now partnered with Underdog. It's an incredible opportunity and you know my affinity for best ball. How about getting in those contests and taking down some of these big tournaments, getting that best ball money. And right now, if you sign up with promo code 4DCHESS, you'll get a 100% deposit match up to the first $100. 
And the best part is Destination Debbie Discord will be free to you for a year. You will get access to all the strategy that we will be talking about as far as taking down some of these tournaments and the best ball tools that will come with it. What a perfect marriage. Destination Debbie, 40 chess, underdog, best ball, say less and sign me up. Now, back to the show. This is, uh, this is someone that doesn't want to pick the direction. They want to stay more fluid. And, and, and eventually, they're going to have to ask themselves before the season starts. Mike, I th- I'll say this. Life is all about decisions. So you have a decision with this team. You can either decide to rebuild or contend. So contending would be pretty easy here. If you can trade off Jordan Addison and Quentin Johnson, you know, be, that are highly valued rookies in the next month, and you know, tear down or net more contending assets, you're fine, right? To your point, like you also though, because you have drafted almost all receivers, you could trade those away and rebuild pretty easy too. But the one thing I will mention with this, if you stay here and the season starts and you don't do anything, the lack of making a decision is also a decision. Dynasty Degenerates, let that sink in. The lack of making a decision is also a decision. And for this team, you have not picked a direction. And your decision has also been that you haven't picked a direction, which means you won't contend. Which is totally the biggest point Mike's making is if you stayed with this team. And this is what you're looking like in October and primarily in mid-October. You're not going to make the playoffs. You're not going to be young enough to get the high-end assets. And you're not going to win. That's what you don't want to do. So I just wanted to stress how it can be played on both sides, but you do eventually have to make a decision. If you don't make a decision, you did make a decision, and that was to not do anything. Think about that. That one one hit home right there. If you don't make a decision, you actually made a decision. (laughs) It's a thousand percent true, though, man. It really is, man. I've been been there a couple times, and I'm like, damn it, man. I didn't want to do it, man. What a way to wrap up the uh, the startup series. Ended up being a two-parter. Went a little bit longer on this one, but that was fine because we got in some pretty good discussion. I hope everybody enjoyed it. And you got left with uh, Confucius over here, Adam. <laughs> if you don't make a decision, you made a decision. I love it, man. I'm going to put that on a T-shirt, I think. I, I think, think, I think that I think that goes on the T-shirt, uh, <laughs> and it's coming out pretty soon. SouthHarmonFF.com. If you don't make a decision... You've made a decision. It's true, <laughs> I love man. It. It's damn true. Damn true. Uh, I missed you last week, buddy. Uh, it was good. Uh, did you Did you get to catch uh, Bob on? Bob, Bob. Oh, my awesome. goodness, so man. Gracious. I was uh, driving out to my buddy's lake house. Um, you know, uh, for those that didn't catch the AMA, the guy I played, uh, he was the best man at my wedding, one of my very best friends. I hadn't seen him in a while. He's in from Miami. He, he's, he's from here. Grew up with him. And his parents have a lake house. So I'm driving out in the boonies, right? And I had already downloaded it. So, like, no worries of, you know, Spotify tripping out. Like, we're good. It's yeah. it's it's on on the hard drive. We're good. Listen to it the whole way out there. And, um, you know, kind of had the feels. Like, I'm, damn, man, I'm ready for August, right? And what's funny was that was a day before, Mike. Uh, so then the next day, my uncle's from Pittsburgh, and he – he likes these smaller sporting events like, uh, you know, triple-A ball games, double-A ball games. You know, he's from Pittsburgh, so the USFL is in Canton. And he's like, listen, man, let's go to the game. I got tickets. 
all right, man, I guess I'll come with you. You know, I haven't seen any of the USFL games, but I went and I'm over there and I was like, you know what? That Bob Long episode had me in the feels like, let me hit up the guy and see if I can get into the, uh, the shit BNB, you know? And he was like, yeah, I'm out of town, but I got an electrician working on it. So I went and stopped by and saw it. And, um, let's just say, man, that episode, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, it's July. Speaking of picking a direction, I'm picking the direction of, and making the decision of the expo. I want the expo to be here tomorrow. I know I got a little over a month, but I'm excited. So we were talking last year, uh, you know, me kind of fanboying, watching Bob Harris do the uh, Sirius XM radio show. And that's the guy. That I was awesome. Yeah. Forever, like sure. fanboying about it. Like, I don't know how long you and I, we literally stood there. It had to be like 5, 10, 15 minutes. It felt like we were just staring at it. It was a little it was, creepy. It, but... it was probably five. But it felt for us more like probably fifteen to twenty because we're just like in standing <laughs> mode. Yeah, right. I remember so, I was doing that at a lot of places. Like it was, yeah. Like I was I was shocked because it started in nineteen and I I didn't know much about it. It's in my backyard. I'm kind of like, man, what have I been missing out on? I'm kind of thinking, we'll see. Every time, like I was, especially on Sunday too, I was shocked at the the production and the presentation they had and how cool it was. Like. There was people doing podcasts everywhere. They had the whole thing set up right. I was I caught myself looking at a lot of things a couple times. Like, man, this is just it's surreal, you know? Yeah, I uh, I was I was actually kind of looking forward to the fact that like this year I got my feet wet, right? Like I won't be such a fanboy and I won't be so in awe of all these guys that I've followed and listened to and read content and seen on YouTube and seen on ESPN and television doing fantasy football. And then Bob drops it on that Des Bryant's going to be there. <laughs> Des Bryant's oh, coming boy. to the expo. And if you pay attention to Twitter, Miss Lisa Ann's going to be at the Twitter too. So I like, or at the expo, the expo too. There so you I'm go. Go, there you go. I'm, go, I'm going, holy hell, like, I don't, I'm back to being a fanboy again. <laughs> like, I don't know which one I'll be more fanboy for, but we got some big name people that I'm highly interested in. Like, man, I hope I get to meet Des or I hope I get to meet Miss Lisa Ann. <laughs> This is going to be fantastic. So uh, Expo's coming up a couple months away, man. Two months, almost exact, or one month, almost exactly. So we'll be there. Yeah. Be good to see you in person again. We get to oh, kick for it sure. again for the week. I'm, yeah, I'm excited. To, to the Des point you made, man, um, you know, the, the home league, before I got into, you know, Mike really dragged me into, you know, this this massive portfolio management. <laughs> Um, but before that, you know, I was in like some dynasty leagues and some keeper leagues and stuff. And, uh, I'll just tell you, Dez was my most owned wide receiver. Like, you know, I'm a running back guy, but when I was going to get a receiver, it was always Dez. Dez was the guy I've got Mike. The crazy part is I've already have a signed Jersey up there, but uh, I'm thinking like I have two more Dez jerseys that aren't signed. Do I just in person get one signed or try to get one signed or. Go up and talk to him. Am I going to stare? I, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I'm excited to see him there, man. I'm excited. I'm an Eagles fan, and I love me some Des Bryant. I absolutely love You got Des to Bryant. see the X throwing up quite a bit, right, as a, as Unfo- a fan? Unfortunately, yes, he stuck it to us quite a bit. And then when Dallas let go of him, I was praying that he'd go to Philadelphia just to, you know, stick it to him, you know, like a – take this jerry jones but it never happened but i love des bryant and i think that all stems from uh back from playing ncaa football on xbox right des bryant i played a lot Cowboys? with oklahoma state, oklahoma state yep. yeah yes sir yes yeah. sir des bryant like, hey listen i'll give you the i'll give you the hoop story too you know a guy that played ball and 
he always had the the Jordan cleats before it was like the the main thing that you see everybody wearing. You know, he had the sixes, he had all the Jordan cleats, and that was, you know, the jump ball contested catch, alpha wide receiver type thing that he had going on with the Jordan cleats. I was just, I was enthralled with Dez for a while. So, man, man, listen, I'm not a I'm not a young guy by any means, but but what do the kids say? Like the drip level in college was on point. Okay, yes. so he had the he had the clear visor. He wore number one. Oklahoma State had them bright orange Innovator. jerseys Innovator, with the right. black, right? My high school colors were black and orange, so like I gravitated towards it. Des Bryant was ridiculous. He, he and he's a he's a man. He he was a man even in college, like 19, 20 years old, rocked up wide receiver. Oh, he, he was he was the combination of like smooth and a bully, right? Like that was what made it so different. Like a smooth but bully too. That prototypical, that prototypical X wide receiver. Uh huh. Throw up the but, X. But he's back there on punt return, like juking cats. Me- out me- of remember that rookie year? It's so funny, like talking dynasty for a second. Like, remember rookie year? He started slow, and there was the off the field concerns and all this right. stuff. And then he needs, he needs like cowboy security to follow. And then what? Watch, right. watch, watch out, man! Dude went crazy. Oh my gosh, it was so fun to watch him early on, man. So fun to watch him. Prime Des Bryant was something else. And and I see Ray tweeted it out too. There was a question like you you know, like your life's on the line or something like this. You gotta throw a jump ball to one wide receiver. Who is it gonna be? And Ray named Des and I couldn't really fight him. Like I'm gonna go with Calvin Johnson just because, you know, you don't get the name Megatron (laughs) nickname Megatron without being a freak. But Des is a perfectly acceptable answer because he was built different. So the fact that he's going to be at the expo just makes me fanboy up again. So I'm excited for it. I hope uh, I hope you listeners. I hope if you get the opportunity, try to make it out. If it's not this year, try to book it in the future for next year. Like Bob said on the podcast last week, you can just plan on the second week of August as long as it doesn't fall on one of those weird dates. So yeah, it's just you know every year um, my wedding anniversary. So we'll just keep planning that, for that for the uh, that, that, that's your wedding gift to your wife man me showing up yeah, at your house you know mike, mike making the uh you know the the, the family dish uh after the expo's over that's gonna be the uh the cleanup you know there we go i got you i got you man i'll make sure my cooking's the on fettuccine the and chicken right all right buddy well this was a great episode appreciate everybody tapping in take us out of here do that thing i i, I don't even bother to try to I, do I, I noticed that here. part too i was gonna say like mike didn't even do the uh the exit but i respect yeah, it, that, man. that that's your thing man I, I can't step on your toes i respect that um yeah appreciate everyone tapping in dynasty degenerates i'm uh, glad to be back sorry i missed last week but um best believe you won't miss me for a while now the season is in full stride and you got to remember too, decisions. Decisions are the key in in dynasty and startups. And just remember, when you're making a decision, and you decide not to make a decision, that is still a decision. Which leads me into, just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play forty chess. Oh, I miss that. Love y'all. We're out of here. We'll see you back here same time, same place next week. Peace. Peace. Thank you.